hello. This is Pooh Bear, and you're listening to Marking Out. I wonder if there is any honey. This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spread it like this. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. We Marking Out. Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Mark and Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 562. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all of your support. Make sure that you're listening to us on MarkingOut.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you may be listening whether it's Spotify or whatever it is, as long as you have the Marking Out t-shirt by your side, <laughs> go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Out. Give us a, a like on Facebook. You can even follow us on Twitter. Also, check us out on Instagram, Out 11 And by all means, go check us out on Twitch and on YouTube as well. But... Enough about all of that. Make sure on Instagram and on Twitter you are following me, Dave, at DavidPTDPT. And also make sure you're following Brandon at BTTG161. And also Chris at Chris Sweendog. And without any further ado, I present to you the B to the G himself. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always, and yourself? Doing uh, pretty good. Guess what, Brandon? What's that? I remembered to say what episode number was. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> That's a pat on the back, good old Barry Horowitz, for that one. So, uh, how's your week? My week was good. It was a, a jam-packed, busy week. Very busy week, but it is Friday, and thank goodness it's the weekend, because this weekend, I get to continue to work, so, you know, sweet. just things gotta get done when they gotta get done. How about yourself, though, Brandon? What's going on with you? Not much. I flew down to Florida last week that I, ah, uh, I said yes. that on the show. For yeah, my, you went to Florida. My niece's second birthday. Wow. It's my, my first flight since September 2019. Mm-hmm. I also feel like I said September weird. <laughs> but, maybe, uh, maybe. It, I, honestly, it, it wasn't really comfortable being on there with a mask. What do you mean? Like just having like to you be. Felt like you were still exposed? or No, it was just it. like very difficult to be in a confined space with a mask on like that. I don't know. What kind of mask did you have on? So when I got to the airport, I was wearing the blue gimmick. Uh-huh. Because I figured it'd be much easier to take on and off when they need to see my face for the check-in gimmick. Mm-hmm. But then I switched to my Samurai Del Sol mask. Ah. And I wore that for the flight. When I was actually in Florida when I needed a mask, I didn't wear that mask. I wore the blue one because it was just easier to take on and off. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I kept two. I was wearing when I went to Atlanta. I was wearing um, a cloth one, but it was just it kept on slipping and this and that. So I just ended up slip, uh, switching over to the normal, like medical mask. The Samurai Del Sol one is, I think one of the best masks that I could possibly use because it stays on. It stays over my nose, doesn't duck or anything like that. The blue one goes over my eyes and I can't see anything. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a mask for the face for this yeah that seems like well, a lucha libre mask mask no yeah it cover it does cover my eyes a bit and i'll probably touch on that a little bit are you are you dressing up as a lucha libre when you're wearing your mask out in public no because <laughs> you probably should if you aren't although i did wear my uh lucha house party t-shirt going down to florida there you go so live the gimmick dude hit those high boots yeah you're on the right track i was teaching my niece that <laughs> the high boot yeah you know i i hey for those listening that don't are not aware brandon has a mean yakuza kick that high boot the big boot used to be a is, lot higher but it is nasty you don't want to get caught with one of those you get that to this sucker and you are hitting that mat very quick and it's funny because when i was doing that she was saying hi yeah because there's a uh I guess the the Ninjago section of Legoland, they have ninjas, and they do hi-ya. So she was going off after that. But I went down to Florida, and when we all, we, we settled in there, I went to Whispering Canyon Cafe at Disney's Wilderness Lodge with my mom and my younger brother. So technically right then and there was my return to Walt Disney World. But I was a big fan of this place prior to COVID. They changed their menu a bit and it wasn't the best. So their mashed potatoes I thought were really good. I hate mashed potatoes, but I thought they were really good here. Um, I had some Puerto Rican Chinese food one day. And then attempted to go to Hollywood Studios, but it was just a torrential downpour. So that was, no pun intended, that day was a wash. I ended up going to Hollywood Studios. And uh, it was freezing at Hollywood Studios. I can't believe how cold it was in, in Florida. Like, I remember going on a cruise one time and seeing like the the steam or whatever not steam but whatever you would call the the cold version of steam <laughs> coming uh-huh. off of the ocean because it was so cold but here it was so cold but I got to go on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway which opened last March I think it's a fantastic ride what was the best ride that you been went on while you were there? It has to be that. I didn't get to go on any rides. Uh, man, but I uh, I I because of that stupid blue mask, I tripped going into the ride and I ended up with a huge bruise on my inner leg. Uh, you got to be careful, calf. Brandon. I can't help it. The stupid blue mask. You know, you got to be careful. Yeah. You got to be careful. But everything yeah. else that I wanted to do had such a long wait time, so at Hollywood Studios, I mainly just walked around. And then after that, we went to my brother's house for my niece's birthday. 
And uh, then later in the night, my brother and I headed to Epcot. And we saw the new Harmonious show, which it was even colder at night. But it was a, a nice new show. I don't really care for the whole fireworks thing. I feel like if you see it once, you see it like mm-hmm. you, you don't need to see fireworks over and over again. That's cool, though. Yeah, it's it's a new show. It's cool. Um, I got to ride two rides there. That's lame that you only got to do so little. Yeah, and I ended up going to Magic Kingdom on my niece's birthday, and we literally went in, rode the Barnstormer with her. The, the Barnstormer is a uh, a child's roller coaster. It's still like an extreme roller coaster, though, if you're... It's not like extreme extreme, but it's still pretty fast. I think it might be uh, like two miles uh, slower than Space Mountain or something like that. Maybe. That could be completely incorrect. But they they ended up after that going to Dumbo, and then we we left. It's truly almost impossible to get on rides now. They have like the the Lightning Lane and Disney Genie Plus, so without having a the the Fast Pass Plus system, you have to pay for this stuff, and it's like it's it's almost impossible to get onto the rides at certain times. Even at that day when we went to Magic Kingdom with uh, the food, it was like insane. I've never seen it not have um, restaurant reservations. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because of COVID or what. I know they had the uh, the race. They have the Run Disney stuff that day. So maybe there was just way more people in the parks that weekend going. So that sucked. But I went to Animal Kingdom on my last full day in Florida. Got to see the new Kite Tales show, which is uh, a decent thing that they added in the Discovery River area. It's just them on jet skis flying kites, basically. Well, that sounds really lame. But it's it's something cool, and I think children would enjoy. Um, it's not like the top-tier priority thing to to want to see, but as far as seeing it for the first time, I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I went on the Kilimanjaro safaris, which is my favorite thing to do in Animal Kingdom because you get to see all the animals. I walked through the Gorilla Falls Exploration Trail, got to see some gorillas, and then closed that night off. We went to Whispering Canyon Cafe again because there weren't reservations anywhere. Seems like it was not really a great time. It, I, it was like it was still like. If I'm someone living in Florida and I'm going to Disney World on my free time and not really caring if I get to ride something like Pirates of the Caribbean, Frozen Ever After, Tower of Terror, Haunted Mansion, something like that every single time. Like those are rides that I enjoy doing, even like Winnie the Pooh or something. These lines were absolutely insane. I didn't get to do Rise of the Resistance. Mm -hmm. That was like a almost a three hour wait. Yeah. So if I'm a Florida, if I'm living in Florida, whatever, and going, then I don't mind. It doesn't matter to me. I could just go walk around the park. But as somebody who's in New York going on a vacation, trying to get on rides without that fast pass plus, it sucked. Fast pass plus gave us, we're able to book three rides at a time. 
And then once those three reservations are up, you could book one after one after one after one until the park closes. Here, if you want that, you got to buy it. And $15 is a lot of money to spend on a whole family per person. No, I think it's worth it. And I would, I, I I'll tell an, you why it might not be worth it today. Business, Disney plus I think it's the right today, thing to do. but listen, today was Disney plus day at Hollywood studios. If you go into the park, buying the, the Disney genie plus you get there, let's say at eight o'clock in the morning, they did not have reservations until three, four or 5 PM for rides. So, it's not almost worth it. You can't get on these rides when there's super long lines and it's ridiculous. So mm-hmm. it really, it just sucks that when it's like super crowded, you're going to have to wait like two hours for a ride. But overall, That's, yeah, yeah, I'm glad I got to see some new shows. I'm glad I got to ride the new Mickey and Minnie ride. And I'm ultimately just happy that I got to see my niece experience Disney World. That's really cool. At least you got to spend time with family and enjoy it, you know. But let's yeah. And aside from that, Taylor Swift's new album, Red, Taylor's version came out today. The long-awaited, long-rumored, ten-minute version of All Too Well is is real. It's out. I think it's great. The vault tracks are dope. The remakes are good. So I'm definitely pumped for her other remake, re-recorded albums. I also watched Home Sweet Home Alone today. Had high hopes for it because the trailer looked good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Devin Rattray reprises his role as Buzz McAllister. But that's cool. This movie, I gotta say, was more like three, four, and five rather than one and two. Uh, that stinks. And I think it's just missing something that made one and two special. And like, I, maybe it's Macaulay Culkin. Maybe it's Catherine O'Hara, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern. I don't know. The plot sometimes like didn't make sense. It like it did to an, a degree, but ultimately it really didn't make sense. But if you have Disney plus, I think it might be worth just checking out. It's something to waste your time with. And uh, yeah, that's, really about it well this week was a big week in professional wrestling because wwe released a ton of wrestlers well we should say last week we didn't get to cover that last week we had a uh, a really chopped up goofed up show but (laughs) carrion cross and scarlett bardot being uh, two of the big ones also keith lee mia yim nia Jax, eva marie lucha house party harry smith Katrina Cortez, Trey Baxter, Jesse Camilla, Frankie Monet, uh, Zeta Ramier, Ember Moon, B-Fab, Oni Larkin, and Jeet Rama all got the boot. I was sitting in Florida seeing this news completely shocked at a bunch of these names. Like, I can't say that I wasn't shocked for almost every single one. Jeet Rama last week I put over as like so much potential Oni Lorcan I couldn't believe B Fab man last week smackdown hit row they had to change the theme song I mean some of them I'm not surprised by though 
No, I'm not surprised by some of them, but and, like obviously, I believe Lucha House Party might have asked for their release. Yeah, they at least Grand Metallic. There were rumors that he asked for his release. Um, the big, the big thing that you learn from this is really what, from what you're seeing. Don't win a title at NX on NXT. <laughs> Keith Lee, carrying across, you know, don't don't Only win Larkin a title. Was a former tag recent. team champion. Huh? Oni Lorcan, former tag champion. Oni Lorcan, Ember Moon. But it's crazy because, like, Harry Smith had those, like, one match, perhaps, on a a dark match, and then sat for weeks not doing anything, waiting for the right time to debut him. Even Marie was out filming a movie, so she's going to be fine regardless of this. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of wrestlers on this roster that you see – and I honestly, I can't see much happening with like they're not going to be uh, the main event of the main roster. Like somebody like Oni Lorkin, he's not going to be the main event of the main roster. But damn, am I disappointed he's gone? He had some of the best oh, matches. I agree. I agree. Man. But I, but I feel like some of these wrestlers, like I'd rather see them with AEW Impact Wrestling. Karen Cross, they were they they had. Up uh, going well in NXT, but then once they brought him up, I don't know what they, yeah, why I don't understand why they feel the need to change something when something's going well. Yeah, you know, it's like if it's not if it's not broke, don't fix it. And carrying across his gimmick with Scarlet Bordeaux was not broken at all, and they went to go ahead and fix it, and look what happened. So you know what? I'm happy that some of these people got released. Which it sucks because they relocated and stuff like that. But these people are going to be misused. They are going to flourish elsewhere, though, too. Yeah, I think Cortez, she's now uh, going, she's got to move back to Chile. Yeah, it's like, and that's the thing, like, that's the the downside is that some of these people, they up, they, just picked up the move down there and now Frankie Monet, I believe, moved to Orlando for this. Now she's moving back to California, I think. Yeah, but you know and then you have some people saying that this is kind of like this is no different from baseball or any other sport. I mean yeah. you look at the you look at the minor league system of baseball or whatever, they say, All right, relocate to this Tampa and come over here, we're going to have you in the system for this amount of time, and then they can cut you, and then guess what? You go home. Yeah. But uh, AAA announced their event in December. I know they announced a bunch of matches, but maybe we could see the return of Ty of Valkyrie. Maybe we could see the return of Karrion Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux. It's very possible. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you hear I mean, Grandma Talik, too. The- you hear the rumors about how some of them were anti-vaxxers or didn't want to get the vaccine. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I can't speak on that. That's just the uh, internet rumors. I don't know if any of that was actually confirmed. I don't yeah, like to speak I mean, about rumors. So Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's out there that, you know, Nia Jax didn't want to get vaccinated and this and that. Who knows what's true. For but again, I also don't though, think people should be forced to do that. For all of our listeners, though, definitely go get vaccinated. Go vax up and get that booster as well. Um, booster, who knows? Yeah, go get that booster. Go get the vax. But hey, You know, Nia I, I got to say, in been, regards to the Nia vaccine. Jax, nothing for nothing. Nia Jax should have been released a while ago. Maybe. Dude, she has been green 
for how long she's been at the on for how long she's been on the roster to still injure wrestlers and be right. dangerous without her crazy. injuring Becky Lynch. I believe that took place today. The other year, without that incident, we wouldn't have the man. So, Thank yeah, but still, for somebody that's for somebody that's been around for that long, you shouldn't be having mistakes like that. Who knows? Maybe this was also something that spun off of her quote her shoot with Charlotte Flair in the ring. I I don't know. I you know? I don't think I don't believe there was any like reason behind anything other than just actual budget cuts. I don't know. I I Nia Jax. I I haven't been a fan of her in ring. You know, I feel like she is dangerous. But hey, we'll see what happens. I and it's weird because like I don't like obviously promoters will want to bring in names just because they've been in WWE. But I don't know some of these people. It's like I don't. I can't see someone like Nia Jax working independent shows. Well, she's going to have to get used to it. I don't know. Maybe she goes back to modeling. Maybe she just retires. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I I mean, let's I don't think she probably would have gotten so far with WWE if it wasn't for her cousin. I don't know. If it wasn't for The Rock. Can't uh that's just a thing you can't you can't uh assume. Well, it's not assumptions. It's just my opinion that I don't think she was ever that good. Hmm. You know? But let's move on to some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Which kicked off with Kevin Owens and Big E backstage. Kevin Owens still apologizing to Big E for what happened last week with Seth Rollins. And Big E just did not care. He walked off on Kevin Owens. Kind of rude. Kind of rude. But then Seth Rollins opens the actual show, came out wearing what I wish Macho Man Randy Savage was looking like when he debuted in TNA. But he addressed Kevin Owens and whether or not he's a hero or a villain. And he brought up guys like Sami Zayn and The New Day and how Kevin Owens always turns on them. And then Kevin Owens came out and they brawled. That just leads to their match later on in the night. But the first match of the evening saw the Dirty Dogs, AJ Styles, and Omos pick up the victory over the Street Profits and RK Bro. Randy Orton, before the match, spoke to Matt Riddle about how he went after Omos last week to save the Street Profits and how he shouldn't have done that. So he's trying to help, I don't want to say a rookie, I don't know what to, uh, in less experienced perhaps. He's trying to guide Matt Riddle in the right direction by saying what you should and shouldn't do. But as far as this actual match goes, I thought it was a, a really good match. It was quite long. Um, uh, I'm, I wasn't a fan of it. I'm over all of these tag teams that were in the ring. Uh, I'm really over it big time. I don't know how but, you can be over that, but uh, I, I thought it was weird seeing the heels not working well together. Mm-hmm. Like normally it's like, can they coexist? And they're both like faces perhaps, mm-hmm. but Matt Riddle ends up tagging himself in against almost Randy Orton was pissed and Riddle hit some really like super high knees here 
which I thought was cool, but he got shut down by almost AJ Styles wanted almost to tag him in for the phenomenal forearm. Dolph Ziggler tags himself in the heels, then start fighting with each other. And Orton drops Dolph Ziggler after, um, he just drops him with an RKO and, and they get the win. The one, two, three. Yeah. But, and uh, yeah, Adam Pierce and had the the Mysterios come out and said that he felt like he made a huge mistake by adding Dominic to the Team Raw and he wants Team Raw to win at Survivor Series. Thank you. He was trying to make right but, with the big mistake that he has made. But how does it make sense? Why why does he want Team Raw to win over Team SmackDown when he's in charge of both shows? well that just doesn't make sense storyline wise yeah and he said that dominic will still be on the team if he defeats an opponent it turned out to be returning bobby lashley mvp is also back and then obviously bobby lashley was picking up that victory over dominic adam pierce pointed out that everybody on the team was a former champion with the exception of dominic so now every member of the the team raw survivor series team is a former champion uh, as far now, as the match why goes, did, why does Iron Pierce care so much? I, yeah, I don't understand that. There's no like brand supremacy here when you're in charge of both brands. Yeah, but I thought Dominic held his own with a bunch of reversals. But come on, there was yeah, no way knew, he was. You know from the start that absolutely Lashley was winning. Yeah. After that, we saw Seth Rollins meet up backstage with the Alpha Academy, and he asked them about Kevin Owens. And Chad Gable said that Kevin Owens is a liar and that Big E doesn't have what it takes to be the face of Raw like Seth Rollins does. Um, But now that Chad Gable graduated with a 4.0, a master's degree, and he was the valedictorian, I think maybe we're going to be seeing him a lot more in those segments and like maybe longer matches out of him, perhaps. It's possible. It's good to see that he finished uh, schooling, though. Yeah, he went to Full Sail University. Yeah, I wonder if they have a program for... They, the, I don't the know. Wrestlers. I don't think they still do, but they did. Because they had that partnership with Full Sail University. Anybody in WWE can go there and take classes for free. That's, that is a great I believe. incentive. I don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's an accurate thing. And a I bunch hope- of people went and took advantage of that. Uh, yeah, I hope that they still have that ongoing because some of these wrestlers, they need something to fall back on. So I hope I'm not sure if they. Place. I'm not sure if they do, given that they don't do anything with Full Sail right now. Mm-hmm. But the match itself, Biggie picked up the victory over Chad Gable. I like the match. I just wish there was more of a chance of Gable winning. Yeah, I like the match, but. You knew, same thing with the last match. You knew what was going to happen in this match. Yeah. But something that you didn't know what was going to take place, though. Man. Drake Maverick picked up the victory over Reggie to become the new 24-7 champion. But this entire, uh, this was a Pier 6 brawl. Yeah, our truth made his way out and got attacked by the Hurt Business, which caused the distraction for Reggie. And Maverick was able to get the win off of that. But as soon as Maverick won, the, the suspended rules are it's no all, more suspended. Yeah. Corey Graves, uh, or 
I, who was it? Um, well, Akira Tozawa pinned Drake Maverick to get the title. Then Corey Graves decided to pin Akira Tozawa, which breaks his, his eight-year streak of no titles in WWE. Yeah, that's his first championship, right? Yeah. Well, technically, first, if you if you go by WWE standards, it's his first championship. I would say it's eight years between his last championship because he was the NXT champion, uh, NXT uh, tag team champion. Was he? Yeah, him and Oliver Gray were tag team champions. I forgot all about Oliver Gray. Yeah, the way, way early, early years of... Before his, like, crazy gimmick. Yeah. Right? That was Oliver Gray. Uh, also, I did not mean Oliver Gray. Oliver Gray was tag teams with uh, Adrian Neville. Uh-huh. Corey Graves was tag team champion with Neville. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, but everybody, um, Byron Baxton. Byron Baxton. Is that what you're sticking with? Yeah. He Byron Saxton. Oh, yeah. No, I knew it was wrong. Pinned <laughs> Corey Graves to win his first championship in WWE. And then Drake Maverick pinned him and Reggie finally pinned him, got it back. And honestly, like, I understand... This- with like all the segments that they've had backstage as of late, it's gotten stale, but with this, with this live action and how much it changed hands here, I don't know how people could hate the, the title. Yeah. This was fun. Yeah. And I was completely unexpected. Because yeah. as of late, like I said, we just see those backstage segments. Yeah. But earlier in the night, we saw Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville speak to the women's locker room about Survivor Series, and they made a fatal five-way to determine who's going to be facing Becky Lynch um, just later on or at a later date. I don't know if it's like next week or whatnot. But Dewdrop questioned why she wasn't getting the opportunity over Bianca Belair, who has already had her opportunities and blown her shots. Dana Brooke also questioned why she's not getting a shot. Nikki A.S.H. questioned it as well, but they're left out of this for now. Liv Morgan actually picked up the victory over Bianca Belair, Carmella, Zelina Vega, and Rhea Ripley to become that number one contender. And I thought this was another good match. It was all right. I I liked when they they were doing the the Tower of Doom setup, and I'm like, ah, man, I really hate that move. But instead of the Tower of Doom follow-through, Bianca Belair picked Liv Morgan up, or carried, I should say, Liv Morgan and Zelina Vega on one arm each and powerbombed them. And I thought that was good. I liked Bianca Belair taking Zelina Vega off of Liv's back when she went for Code Red. And eventually hit the the KOD on her. But instead of getting that victory, Dewdrop showed up and pulled Bianca Belair out of the ring, costing her the match. And I was really happy that Liv Morgan picked up the victory. Yeah, Carmella tried to take advantage of that, and Liv Morgan rolled her up to, to win. But this whole match, Becky Lynch was on commentary Kind of trashing Liv Morgan, so it seemed like it was a no-brainer that she was going to be winning this. And it's like, do I think Liv Morgan will become champion soon? No. But I really hope she does. 
I think that the WWE needs to have her as a champion because I feel like, I mean, you know that I, I very, I'm finding it very hard for me to watch the product. I'm finding it very hard for me to connect to the product and find enjoyment with it, which is really upsetting and annoying because I really do love wrestling. But I feel like having something like an injection of Liv Morgan as champion injection. will br- uh, yeah, we'll bring that like that enthusiasm to, oh, now I, I want to see what's going to happen with Liv Morgan now. You know, I, I feel like that would be really nice. I really wish they'd bring back her NXT theme song, too. <laughs> I don't I like think her, they would ever like do that. I like her theme but, song now. Uh, yeah, I like her theme song now, but the yo, 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 I like that theme song. And why do you like that? I don't know. It has nothing it's... to do with crime time, but... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, a nice theme song. I don't know. But uh, the main event, we saw Seth Rollins pick up the victory over Kevin Owens via Countout. I thought this was a great match. I didn't mind the end, but I would have preferred something else. Like, I get the ending. Biggie was on commentary and ended up in Kevin Owens' way so he couldn't get back into the ring to make that 10 count like Seth Rollins did. Yeah. But that made Kevin Owens snap, and he ends up beating up Big E. Totally just took him apart. It's, uh... People are calling it a heel turn. I don't know if I could subscribe to that as a heel turn just because at the very the very first thing that we saw on Monday Night Raw was Big E blowing off Kevin Owens' apology. So there's only so so many times you could say I'm sorry. Yeah. I think it'd be cool if if Kevin Owens became WWE champion. Much like Liv Morgan, I don't see that happening anytime soon. We've never seen Kevin Owens as WWE champion, so it'd be cool. I which I find it really hard to believe that that hasn't happened yet. Well, he was on a different brand perhaps. Cuz we've seen him as yeah. Universal champion. Yeah. I I could understand that. I still I I still, I mean, you had Kevin Owens tweet out what he tweeted out the other day. There's still that rumor that Kevin Owens is ready to pick up and leave WWE. What did he you tweet know? out the other day? He tweeted out something that could be taken, like, into both directions. The video with, like, him and Liv Morgan and Ruby Soho. Um, you know, there's a lot of, like, talk about how he's going to leave WWE soon. I, I'm look, I hope so. I want to see Kevin Owens flourish somewhere else. I mean, I just want to see something different for some of these wrestlers who I really do enjoy watching because it can get some it could get tiring at times. Especially when the the storylines aren't really that gripping. The creativity isn't really there. So but that's a story for another day. Yeah, and that was Monday Night Raw. Moving over to NXT, which kicked off with Toxic Attraction, picking up the victory over Io Shirai, Casey Catanzaro, and Caden Carter. It was confirmed that Zoe Stark was injured with a torn ACL and meniscus. Yeah, so that's probably going to be six months out. And that's probably why they did that angle last week with Toxic Attraction. I think she was injured during that uh, that tag team match. 
mm-hmm. where it was like it wasn't known if she was going to even be able to defend the titles. But she had it. Oh, I know what it was. I think I know what it was. Remember that part where she did what was it? Oh, dang! She dove to the outside. No, no, no! It was like the week before, or during that match, where she did the, she did the forward flip or whatever. She tried to go for a four fifty, and she landed. Oh, was it a four fifty? You, you remember the spot where she did it, but she oh, landed yeah, on yeah, her I feet. knew, yeah, I and then she rolled out to the ring, and Eo held the the, the rest of the yeah, match. Yeah, because that. And I even texted you or I said on the podcast that that could have been an ACL injury or, P, or if it was with it being bent. more. I mean, more so yeah, ACL no, I think, if it's hyperextended, but I PCL. I think that's when it did take place. Yeah. Uh, that sucks. You know? Very unfortunate, but hopefully I liked, she has a speedy recovery. Yeah. In this, though, I liked uh, that Io Shirai hated everything about Casey and Caden's entrance because, like... I also kind of hate it. <laughs> it's like, it's some rave gimmick. I don't, I don't ever, you'll never see, I don't think you'll ever see me at a rave. So. I like how you have to correct yourself. <laughs> well, cause like, I can't do it. There has been, there have been so many times in my life where I find myself in a predicament where I'm like, how am I, why am I here? How's this possible? I feel like if there was an over a narrator to Brandon's life with that, it's just like, I bet you're wondering, how did I get to this position right now? Like, why am I in New York City at, like, what was it, maybe 3.30 in the morning after seeing a a comedy show, watching somebody get tattooed that I've known since middle school? Why Why were you hanging out with Judah Friedlander in a a famous comedy club? (laughs) Exactly, it's weird. You know, sitting with other comedians that you recognize. I was not sitting with other comedians. Other comedians were sitting near me. Oh, near you. Yeah. You're just like, I wasn't sitting with other comedians. Other comedians were sitting with me. Yeah. I got introduced <laughs> to some comedians as a masseuse, though. So that's that's some fun, uh, <laughs> some some gimmick stuff. I mean, you're, you're good friends with Jimmy... Valentin. Oh yeah, such great friends. I mean, he's put <laughs> me and Jim. Every, time, every time he sees you, he puts you over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he put you over at the book signing. Because I had he, his his CD, the bathroom wall. Yeah, he put you over with your tweet. Oh you yeah, know? well yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so Jimmy Fallon's got a thing for you, dude. Well, as far as this match goes, I think uh, <laughs> there were some missteps here. But it did pick up, and I think it was a good match to put Toxic Attraction over. Um, yeah. I definitely, I would like to see Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter become champions someday, so maybe they'll get it off of Toxic Attraction, but hopefully not anytime soon. Mm. After that, know. we saw MSK uh, video package gimmick. They've been on a mission as of late, and they got to a place that they were looking for, and it said that they move to a new address and they have to go 420 miles from, I assume they were in Orlando. They're looking yeah, for some I, sort of guru. How can, I don't know. I, this, I didn't really get the promo. The only thing that I could think of is this is leading to Rob Van Dam coming back to NXT. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. There's nobody else. Like it, 
it's they're making all those marijuana references. I'm so hip. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only person I could think of. So maybe he could come in and be some sort of like guru towards them, maybe a manager of sorts. And we don't have to see RVD wrestle, but we can potentially see RVD wrestle with them. We can, we can. By talking about wrestling, Kaylee Ray had her debut NXT match. Uh, I believe her debut. No. Right? No, she's been on before. Her return. Yeah. It was her return uh, to NXT, picking up a victory over Saray. Um, I think just we mentioned it the other week, too. Saray, I she came in really hot, and I don't know. Now she's just there. Yeah. And honestly, I hate to say this, but I think if this match took place in NXT UK, it would have been better. I don't think it was given enough time. I thought that it was still a good match. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the match. I just think it wasn't given enough time. Mm-hmm. So, And also, uh, Kaylee Ray wrestled. Uh, this wasn't her return match. She wrestled, she wrestled? Uh, a few weeks ago as well. Oh, ain't that a thing. Yeah, August, September. But uh, as far as the match goes, I liked the, the half crab that Saray did. I thought it was really nice. I thought she was going for like a Moodle lock, but it was just that half crab that was like bent all the way back. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that this was her like return. They played it up like that. No, I think it's just her like, well, I mean... Hey, I mean, because like I mean, she no, because she wrestled like two weeks ago. Because hmm. she fit or no, not two weeks ago. It was like a month ago, maybe. It was her return, though. It was yeah, her I return. mean, it was like she was out for a month, perhaps. Yeah, just not doing anything. <laughs> but but. Uh, Kaylee Ray moved out of the way of Saray's drop kick. And she was able to hit the, the Kaylee Ray bomb onto the commentary table. And then followed it up with one in the, the ring to actually pick up that victory there. So I'm looking forward to more Kaylee Ray in NXT on this side of the pond, I guess people say. Yeah, people I wish, do say that. I wish a bunch of the women over in NXT UK were over here. but Yeah, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Yeah. But next up you had Joe Gacy pick up the victory over Boa. Uh, it was by DQ Boa. He had like a this entire new persona. Yeah. So before we talk about that, Joe Gacy cut a promo. I think Harlan ran away. From based off of what I got from that, I think he ran away due to being misunderstood or something. I don't know. But yeah, Boa's got this new persona. His face is painted. The lights start to flicker during this match maybe a little similar to the Finn Balor entrance. A little bit. But he got Joe Gacy in a chokehold against the ropes, and he wouldn't break the hold. So maybe Tian Sha, the group, isn't done after all? It's, I don't think so. And a lot of people seem to uh, dislike this segment, but I think... I think this just like this fits with the Tian Shaw gimmick. Yeah, this definitely was totally that. I don't know. I don't think you could really do anything, say anything else. No, 
After this, the Creed brothers picked up the victory over Ikamanjiro and Kushida, who are now going as jacket time. And I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I didn't mind it. Like, I obviously like giving things a chance, and I like that it's going to further get Ikemen over. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is a huge waste of Kushida. Uh, I guess. But I Roderick Strong ends up pulling the rope behind the referee's back. Ikemen, he falls out of the ring because of that. And Julius Creed hits a huge gut wrench powerbomb to pick up that victory there. So they're continuing to be impressive. Odyssey Jones came out afterwards and attacked Roderick Strong. Cleared the ring with Kushida's help. So next week we're seeing a three-on-three match. Diamond Mine versus Jacket Time and Odyssey Jones. So that should be uh, interesting to see. After that, Raquel Gonzalez called Dakota Kai out and said that she still wants the title, but she wants Dakota Kai more. And during Dakota Kai's entrance, she comes out, she starts talking to Raquel Gonzalez, Cora Jade attacks her. And Raquel Gonzalez, after that, got into Cora Jade's face and said she wants Kai first. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't know what to really expect from that. I don't know why Cora Jade's being inserted there. Yeah, I don't get it either. But the Grizzled Young Veterans had an urban training video where they distracted an Uber Eats driver. At least I'm going to call him an Uber Eats driver. And stole his food and money, I think. <laughs> I don't uh, don't really get it. Mm, yeah. Don't know. This is just something for them to do. Yeah, they, they, I don't know. It sucks because they deserve so much better. Yeah. But after that, Cameron Grimes picked up the victory over Rue Fang, who I believe has been on a losing streak. But Duke Hudson made his way out for this match. It did not distract Cameron Grimes, and it was just a quick match. I think as expected, but Duke Hudson, I almost said someone else's name there. Duke Hudson addressed him afterwards and wanted to know if he got swindled last week in the poker room. And Cameron Grimes said that he played him. And then Duke challenged him to a poker showdown next week. Cameron Grimes accepted it. And while this was being set up, I'm like, please don't challenge him to play poker. I don't need to see people play poker. Mm-mm. It would be something we haven't seen before, but a hundred percent. This is something that we haven't, and it'll be apparently inside the ring. So that's definitely something that we have not seen before. But when I think of something like this, I just think of triple H and Scotty Steiner and a pose down that I just don't care for. Yeah. I could see somebody, uh, definitely. I could see somebody cheating in this game. Yeah. Maybe Cameron Grimes got an ace up his sleeve or something. I would think he does. But next up, you had Solo Sokoa pick up the victory over L.A. Knight and Grayson Waller. Um, this I like this match. I thought that this was a good triple threat match. This was weird, though. 
Like, it took place because Grayson Waller tried to say that L.A. Knight was trashing Solo Sokoa or something earlier in the night. Mm-hmm. And then Sokoa ends up challenging both of them. Which I thought was a weird setup, and I think it was weird to include Sokoa here. Yeah. It was weird to see Grayson Waller and L.A. Knight team up during this also. Yeah. And for me... I think it almost made Sokoa look weak. Because he was only able to defeat them when they started to go against one another. And he took advantage of Grayson Waller hitting a move on LA Knight. Like, it wasn't... Like, yes, he hit an Uso splash, but it wasn't his victory to me. Mm -hmm. He used the, the move prior to that and then hit the Uso splash to get that victory. So, although it was a decent triple threat match, storyline-wise, I don't uh, necessarily understand that. Yeah, I'm not, I, I understand what you're saying. After that, Tony D'Angelo was backstage giving Indy Hartwell a fish for Dexter Loomis, which this has me absolutely puzzled. Why are they doing something where D'Angelo, he's been a huge face, one of the most overnew people in NXT. Why are they having him come after Dexter Loomis, who's also a huge, like, face? Well, I guess he's no more face. Like, I I didn't understand that either. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's much of a face anymore. No. After that, Electra Lopez picked up the victory over Erica Yan, which, again, this was a quick match where Lopez controlled all of it. This was a complete, like, obvious outcome. The bigger thing from this was Electra Lopez calling Zion Quinn out to have him join Legado del Fantasma? Hmm. I don't get it. He said no. Which Joaquin Wilde ends up pushing him and says nobody says no to them. And then Quinn took both of them out. And then Lopez goes to hit him, but he like wrapped her up with some romantic dance gimmick. And then like they had like an intense stare down between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But how does this make sense? Where the hell is Santos Escobar? He's not booked. I don't understand. I, just... I was like... I was just, it's as if I missed a week of programming or something, and I I didn't. I have no idea where Santos is or why that's a thing. But after that, they announced that NXT War Games will be taking place on December 5th. It's no longer a takeover. That hits me in my heart. (laughs) And I can't even begin to think who's going to be in a War Games match. I don't even know. A few months ago, prior to the draft, I really thought we'd see a War Games match this year against Hit, with Hit Row and Legato Del Fantasma. Yeah, that's four really on what, four. Intergender that's what it should have been, but that went out the, out the door with the draft. B Fab's not even in WWE anymore, which makes no sense. Absolutely no sense, considering that she just she had a great ladder match a few weeks ago. B Fab. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right? No. She had a match. A ladder match? Yeah, I believe so. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But 
What's next? We got I know. KOR. You mean a no DQ match? Hmm? The no oh, yeah, DQ no, match. Yeah, th- yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The no DQ match. Right. Against Electra Lopez. So it's like, hello. Yeah. But yeah, after that, Kyle O'Reilly was interviewed about last week and he questioned whether or not he should continue as a tag or continue as a solo competitor. But him and Von Wagner have their eyes set on the, the tag team titles. Imperium showed up, but nothing happened with them. So they're going to have a tag team title match, I'm sure, at some point. But it seems like, not to jump ahead to AEW, but it seems like maybe Kyle O'Reilly could be on his way out the door as well. Hey, AEW, picking up these uh, these wrestlers. Yeah, but earlier in the night, Pete Dunn was being interviewed and he was cut off by Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes. And that leads to the main event where Pete Dunn picks up the victory over Carmelo Hayes, which I thought was a really good match. Dexter Loomis showed up for commentary, which I thought was funny. He scared Trick Williams. That's also funny. But I think Carmelo Hayes and Pete Dunn absolutely killed it in this match. Yeah, this was a nice closer for the for the evening. For me, you you almost can't ask for anything more out of a match than this. Trick Williams went to get involved, but Pete Dunn stopped him. And then behind the referee's back, he tried to get involved again. Dexter Loomis stopped him. Another gloved hand pops up on the other side, which distracted Carmelo Hayes. Pete Dunn used that to pick up the victory. And then the other hand obviously turned out to be Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano. Who also might be on his way out. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, pretty much everybody that we're talking about maybe or may not be on their way out within the next year. Yeah, but that is NXT. Moving over to NXT UK, Mark Andrews picked up the victory over Nathan Fraser, which I thought was a really fun match. They had a lot of reversals off of each other in this match. Like, at one point, I really liked the uh, the Tiger faint kick in the corner that Mark Andrews did to knock Nathan Fraser off the middle rope. Uh, Mark Andrews flipping Nathan Fraser into a face buster I thought was really cool also. But he reversed a pin with a pin to pick up that victory there. And then, after that, they aired a video package of Pretty Deadly going to Magic Mike Live and then performing and learning how to perform in that group with the cast, which was weird. This was, to me, like one of those urban, um, what do they call it? Urban Legends? training. No, urban training that Grizzled Young Veterans did. This, to me, was weird that they did this. But they were able to tag Kevin Nash on Twitter with it. So whether or not Kevin Nash responded, I have no idea. But um, then they saw we saw Danny Luna pick up the victory over Stevie Turner, which this again showcased the strength of Danny Luna. Subculture ends up celebrating the win later on, and Blair Davenport cuts them off to try to put a damper on their celebration. So I'm assuming that's going to be a match coming up soon. We saw Nina Samuels backstage trying to do her show and started to talk trash about Aaliyah James. And then James showed up behind her back and said that she'll just talk to Sid Scala about getting a match between the two of them. We saw a video package with Gallus, 
where they were driving around talking about Tioman and Rohan Raja. They were, I think, about to be pulled over by a police officer and then drove away, I think. We didn't really see the outcome of that video, but I thought it was pretty cool and, like, different because we don't really see videos like that in pro wrestling to, like, further a storyline or something. Mm Mm-hmm. But the main event saw Mustache Mountain pick up the victory over Symbiosis, Ashton Smith, and Oliver Carter, as well as Jack Sars and Dave Mastiff, to become the number one contenders for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. I thought the match was good. I really liked the last, like, five minutes or so of this match, like, more than the whole match itself. They had, like, a lot of big moves then. My only problem with this outcome is that Pretty deadly. They've defended their the tag team titles five times since winning them in February. That sucks to me. I you understand. gotta be able to. You gotta be able to book them and show them what they're show the fans what they're made of. And I understand that with like the NXT UK, it's maybe more difficult to get things done with COVID and everything, but. One of those times that they defended those titles was already against Mustache Mountain. So unless Mustache Mountain takes the titles from them, I don't know if they should have won this. And I, quite frankly, don't want to see Pretty Deadly lose the titles yet. But that was NXT UK moving over to SmackDown. Sonya Deville introduced the women's SmackDown Survivor Series team. Um... At this moment, I don't, I didn't understand how Aaliyah was going to be on that team over someone like Tony Storm or Naomi. But Naomi came out, got in Sonya Deville's face, which led to a brawl between everyone. It didn't quite make sense to me, but it leads to a tag team match. Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Aaliyah pick up the victory over Shotzi Blackheart, Shayna Baszler, and Natalia. This match, to me, it started off slow, but it got good, and then it turned into one of those things where everyone gets a move in. Before that, though, I liked the super, that's superplex, the suplex that Natalia hit off the apron to Naomi. But at the end of the match, Natalia had Aaliyah locked in the sharpshooter. She grabbed the rope for more leverage. Naomi ends up hitting Natalia in the face, causing her to break the rope or, or lose the rope. And Aaliyah reverses it into a pin. And I thought it was a really nice reversal while still in the sharpshooter from Aaliyah. I don't think I've ever seen something like that before. I thought it was pretty cool. But later on, Aaliyah was celebrating her victory and being on the team. And Sonya Deville stopped her and told her that she's been advised that Aaliyah is no longer on the team. Later on, Mustafa Ali approached her and Ricochet stops Ali from talking and told her not to listen to anything that, that he says. So I don't know if that's going to like re spark a feud between Ali and Ricochet, but their matches were super dope on main event. Maybe we'll see that. We saw Los Lotharios pick up the victory over Rick Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura. It was a decent match. I thought the, the gut wrench suplex sequence that Boogs did was great. I like that Los Lotharios picked up the victory here. I thought for sure it was going to be Boogs taking the the loss, but it was actually Nakamura, which was surprising. 
After that, Charlotte was in the ring to address Becky Lynch and Survivor Series. She said that she could beat anybody. She could beat Becky Lynch. Referred to herself as the star maker, which made me wonder whether or not it was a rib or not or something to Kenny Bolin from OVW. Maybe not. Probably not. I have no idea. (laughs) But I popped for that. I thought it was funny. But Tony Storm came out and challenged Charlotte Flair to a match later on for the championship. And Flair just said no and walked off. Earlier in the night, we saw Sami Zayn speaking to himself in a mirror as if he was talking to the Team SmackDown for Survivor Series, trying to rally the troops. And Jeff Hardy was standing there. Sami Zayn stopped. He was embarrassed. And asked Jeff Hardy what he thought. Jeff said he thought it sucked. And then later on, Von Wagner was randomly backstage with Adam Pearce. Sami Zayn approached him about Jeff Hardy, and Adam Pearce sets up a match between the two of them where the loser gets taken off the Survivor Series team. Jeff Hardy picks up a victory over Sami Zayn. It was a decent match. Sami Zayn tried to cheat and pin Jeff Hardy with his feet on the ropes, but the referee saw that, broke the count. Jeff hits a twist of fate, drops a swanton bomb, picks up that victory. And then afterwards, they... uh, They showed the graphic of the Survivor Series team where Sami Zayn faded out of the picture and it became vacant. And I thought that was funny. We saw Hit Row cut a promo, which was followed up by Jinder Mahal and Shanky. Jinder called him Slim Shanky and they did Ice Ice Shanky and they rapped. I understand that it's going to be leading to a feud with Hit Row, I guess. But what the hell was that? That was bizarre. After that, Ridge Holland cut a promo, another one basically, backstage, talking about how Sheamus is his idol. He did this last week as well. He said that Sheamus showed him the way. And Cesaro interrupted and brought up the bar, which I liked. He said Sheamus' attitude's been shaky as of late and warned Ridge Holland. And Ridge then said that he's taking Cesaro's place And he'll be a far better tag team partner with Sheamus than Cesaro was with Sheamus. Sheamus is going to be on SmackDown next week. Whether or not he uh, teams with Ridge Holland should be something to look out for. I don't know. Maybe a mentor gimmick will will take place. I have no idea. But uh, maybe he's coming off a little bit as a, a super fan, perhaps. After that, we had the main event. King Woods picked up the victory over Roman Reigns via disqualification. The loser had to bend the knee. Uh, Xavier Woods had a new theme song, King Woods, which I don't hate. Uh, The match, though, it wasn't completely one-sided, but I think Roman Reigns definitely controlled most of it. I think that's got to be expected. But Xavier Woods had a, a, a pretty big comeback towards the end of the match. And right when it seemed like he could have won the match, the Usos ripped him from the ring, causing that disqualification. They beat him down. They used the steel steps. Roman Reigns in the ring did bend the knee, and the Usos picked up Xavier Woods's crown and placed it on Roman Reigns' head. 
I think maybe I would have preferred Brock Lesnar's theme song to play, even though he's suspended, just to play mind games with Roman Reigns and have him lose that way. But I liked this ending. I thought it was pretty good. And that is SmackDown. Going to take a quick break here. You'll hear a word from our sponsor over at Manscaped. And I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it. Brandon's never done it. You're down there. You, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. Get a little cutsky there. And it stinks. It's no it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way, I can charge my more 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's one for this uh, read, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for the three. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 562. Head over to manscaped.com, use that code regardless, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Lawnmower 4.0 is right there waiting for you. Going to move over to AEW, talk about last week's AEW Rampage. Brian Danielson picked up the victory over Anthony Bowens. Max Caster's rap was a uh, hot topic on Friday night with the mentioning of Total Bellas and John Laurinaitis firing people, I guess. Uh, but obviously, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson was going to win this match. I very much so enjoyed it, though. I'm a big fan of Anthony Bowens. We've said that so many times on this show. We've, we've seen him since his debut in professional wrestling. So, we saw his potential all the way back then, and I'm happy that he's getting this spotlight, especially to work guys like uh, Brian Danielson. It's cool, and uh, I really enjoyed this match. Check it out on Rampage. After that, we had a CM Punk and Eddie Kingston face-off, which was put over by so many people as one of the best segments in AEW history. 
I can't say that. It started out a little rough. It was about how CM Punk was one of his heroes, along with Homicide, Samoa Joe, Amazing Red, and Samoa uh, and CM Punk judged Eddie Kingston when he was breaking into the business. And CM Punk was a narcissist. Eddie Kingston wasn't playing backstage politics and feels like this is why he was judged. And CM Punk countered saying that they all judged him, all his heroes judged him because they knew the potential that Eddie Kingston had. I don't know if I necessarily believe this portion of the storyline, but Eddie Kingston challenges CM Punk for a match at full gear and CM Punk goes, eh... Maybe Elevation or AEW Dark is more so your speed. And that pisses Eddie Kingston off. Uh, But he does not do anything. I think for this segment, CM Punk might have been relying on the crowd a little too heavily. But CM Punk goes to leave and then Eddie Kingston still talking to him. Punk comes back in the ring, headbutts him. Leads to a pull-apart brawl. I thought it was a decent segment. Still, to me, doesn't make sense why they turned Eddie Kingston heel for a match with CM Punk. And not only that, the face of this feud hit first in the segment. Isn't that one of those big Star Wars gimmicks? Who shot first or whatever? Was it Han Solo? I have no idea. (laughs) But uh, after that, we saw Christian and Jurassic Express backstage speaking about what they did to the Elite. And then they challenged them to a match of full gear. False count anywhere. So false count anywhere and a, uh, uh, what is it? A street fight in the same pay-per-view. After that, Red Velvet picked up the victory over the Bunny to advance in the TBS title tournament. I don't think this was a good match. I don't think Red Velvet belongs on TV right now. She's way too green. Jade Cargill was sitting there ringside and was probably the reason why Red Velvet advances because they unfortunately have history together. I think the Bunny should have been the one to advance. But that, that next round match is Jade Cargill and Red Velvet. Who asked for that again? As for that, the main event saw Adam Cole pick up the victory over Johnny Silver. I have no idea what the budge gimmick is. Somebody told me to watch BTE and I'm definitely not going to be doing that. But this match I thought was great. Matt Jackson got involved by putting Adam Cole's foot on the rope. Dark Order came out to back the Bucks off. Not sure why the, the Dark Order wasn't already out there. But Adam Cole tried to low blow John Silver behind the referee's back. Silver counters it and kicks him instead. Hits a huge power bomb. Reverses the Panama Sunrise, but Adam Cole smacked him in the face with a super kick, which looks super awesome, and uh, eventually hit the last shot to pick up that victory. But for me, I, this match was going great, but it's so tiring to see the Young Bucks get involved almost every single time they're at ringside. I wish that would happen a lot less often or just like not at all. That was AEW Rampage Dynamite this week. Brian Danielson opens the show, kicking it off, picking up the victory over Rocky Romero. Prior to Dynamite, it was confirmed that the best friends were invited by Okada to join Chaos for some reason. (laughs) 
I don't get it. I think they were all teasing the fact that Okada was going to be on Dynamite and then Okada didn't show up on Dynamite. But it was okay because they had this tweet and they had this video. But Matt Hardy was sitting ringside to continue his feud with Orange Cassidy, which I feel like it's been weeks since we've seen that. The match itself, though, I thought was enjoyable. Much like the match on Rampage, there was no way Daniel Bryan was losing this. Bryan Danielson. I thought the ending was a bit abrupt, but I liked the use of the Tequila Sunrise. And it seems like Bryan Danielson doesn't stick to just one move to finish his matches with. So I think that's cool because it in a world of professional wrestling, you see something like, oh, RKO, that's probably the end of the match. Uh, sweet Chin Music, that's probably the end of the match. For Brian Danielson, Cattle Mutilation, that could be the end of the match. The Yes Lock, that could be the end of the match. Uh, Tequila Sunrise, that could be the end of the match. A Flying Knee could be the end of the match. So I like the aspect of not knowing when the actual end of the match could be. So that, for me, with the Tequila Sunrise, for me, was a bit abrupt. But I liked the aspect of not knowing that that was going to be the end of the match. So kudos to Brian Danielson for for keeping everything fresh. After that, Tony Schiavone was going to speak with the inner circle, but the men of the year and America top team came out and attacked them during their entrance. Dan Lambert put Chris Jericho through a table from the middle rope like Bubba Ray Dudley would have done. Well, I no, I can't say like Bubba Ray would have done because <laughs> it was not even close to looking like how Bubba Ray would have done it. But uh, he also locked Chris Jericho on the walls of Jericho. And the only thing that I liked about this segment was Lambert referencing Rocky Johnson's Boston Crab. I could do without this feud. I could do without this, this, um, this segment. So hopefully it ends at full gear. I don't know if it will. But uh, we'll see. After that, Thunder Rosa, Ty Conti, and Anna Jay teamed up to pick up the victory over Britt Baker, Rebel, and Jamie Hayter. Hayter attacked Anna Jay when she wasn't legal right in front of the referee's face. Referee didn't go to stop it and just happened to turn around when Ty Conti and, and Thunder Rosa tried to get into the ring. I thought that was stupid. The referee looked stupid. Then maybe two minutes later, he lost all control which I thought was also bad. But Ty Conti goes to hit her DDT. Britt Baker stalled on saving Rebel. She goes to get into the ring. Ty Conti hits the DDT, and then Britt Baker chose not to. And I like that. It shows that maybe Britt Baker doesn't care a lot about Rebel. She wants. She cares more about the title than she cares about Rebel. I think is a better way to put it. After that, Jungle Boy picked up the victory over Anthony Bowens. I feel like not much took place in this match. I had a lot higher hopes for this match. Max Caster got involved. Jungle Boy took him out and then made Anthony Bowens tap. Bobby Fish then comes out randomly, jumps Jungle Boy. Christian and Luchasaurus run down a little bit too late. Backstage, Adam Cole introduces the Young Bucks to Bobby Fish. They obviously knew him. They made some Undisputed Era references. Adam Cole then pitched Bobby Fish versus Jungle Boy for Rampage to soften him up for full gear. 
I don't. It's it's cool that Bobby Fish and Adam Cole were on screen together, but I don't know if I like that. I'm not sure if I like the fact that they're going back to Undisputed Era. I know he's not joining the Elite or anything, and he's being used as a pawn, basically. But, uh, I don't know. I'd rather not see that. After this, Wardlow picked up the victory over Wheeler Yuta. Bunch of power bombs. Wardlow's finish. That's the match. I don't know why the referee wouldn't have called to have this match stopped, given that Yuta was clearly out. But this made Wardlow look like an absolute beast. It made him look great. I think it's needed for Wardlow. And uh, I'm fine with the way this match played out, ultimately. HFO went after the best friends afterwards, and that was the end of that. That continues that feud with Matt Hardy and, and Orange Cassidy. No chaos, no Okada making the save, that's for sure. After that, Eddie Kingston and CM Punk were apparently fighting in the parking lot. They aired a video package before that, including an unmasked Rey Mysterio on Dynamite, which I don't think was necessary to include that. But they included it, and uh, just, I I don't know, to show that they have somewhat like an indie background history together, I don't, it doesn't make sense. I don't think they've ever wrestled before. So, hopefully this feud is, uh, well, no, it's probably going to be over at the pay-per-view because that's what CM Punk feuds are like. But after that, Dante Martin and Leo Rush teamed up to take on Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty. They killed it in this match. Definitely the best match of the night. I'd like to see more of this match. I want like even longer matches with them. I thought it was fantastic. Pac ends up picking up the victory over Dax Hardwood, which was another really good match. For me, it bumped Daniel Bryan to uh, versus Rocky Romero to third place. Dax ends up giving up as soon as Pac locked him in the rings of Saturn which I liked because he's saving his body for full gear. Pac did not let go, and Dash got involved right away, beat him up. The lights go out. Andrade and Malachi Black show up. Lucha Bros come running down the ramp. Cody, for some reason, comes running down the the, the fan through the, the arena ball. Why was he up there? It makes no sense. As if he's part of the shield. And that, it ends with the brawl, whatever. It sets up Cody and Pac versus... Um, Andrade and Malachi Black for full gear I think as long as Cody doesn't win this match I'm fine uh, hopefully it's Malachi Black and and Andrade but I'm I mean kind of looking forward to this match even though I've been a little sour on Cody Rhodes as of late just the uh, the fact that we get to see a former feud between I mean Cody Rhodes and and Pac were a former feud in WWE. They were Stardust and Neville. So it's kind of cool there. But to end AEW Dynamite, there was a contract signing between Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. Adam Page signed it right away. And then Omega did not sign it right away. Instead, he chose to talk about Adam Page and how they were once great friends and how they were part of the elite together, and he wants to shake his hand before signing it. They shake hands, and Adam Page gets knocked out by the camera guy, who turns out to be Don Callis. 
Can he sign the contract in Hangman's blood? I thought it was a decent contract signing until the handshake part. I don't mind the fact that he ha- he signed in Hangman's blood. I think that's a good aspect. But the fact that Don Cal showed up and the fact that Hangman's going to actually listen to Kenny Omega and shake his hand after everything that they've gone through, to me, that makes no sense. But as far as what Kenny's promo was, I actually liked it. I thought it was the first time Kenny Omega's promo actually sounded good. Decent, I should say. He didn't sound like he was dubbed over in English. That is AEW Dynamite moving over to full gear taking place this weekend in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Target Center. We're going to see Pac and Cody Rhodes take on Malachi Black and Andrade in a normal tag team match. I'm going Malachi Black and Andrade. Hopefully they win. Christian Cage and Jurassic Express taking on Super Click or the Elite, whatever you call them. In a false count anywhere match, I'm going Christian Cage and Jurassic Express. CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. Obviously, CM Punk is picking up that victory. Darby Allen versus MJF. I think this is where Darby Allen wins, and maybe we see MJF get angry with Wardlow and turn on Wardlow. Perhaps. In a Minneapolis street fight, you see the inner circle taking on the men of the year and America top team. I'm going to say the inner circle. Also, that one dude who was with the America top team got injured, apparently. Got had to pull out of his fight. Maybe he got injured at AEW. Who knows? After that, uh, what else we have? Tag team match. World Tag Team Championships on the line. Lucha Brothers defending the titles against FTR. Going FTR for sure. AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament Finals. The winner receives an AEW World Championship match. Miro taking on Brian Danielson. I gotta say it's Brian Danielson. The way they're building up Miro, it definitely could be Miro. So I'm sticking with Brian Danielson. Uh, but I wouldn't be upset with Miro. For the AEW Women's Championship, Britt Baker defending against Ty Connie. I'm the same. Britt Baker's keeping that title. A uh, buy-in match, I believe, was uh, Nyla Rose and Jamie Hayter taking on Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa. I'm going Shida and Thunder Rosa. And then, presumably, the main event, AEW Championship on the line. Kenny Omega taking on Hangman Adam Page. It seems like it's Adam Page's night. I'm going to say Adam Page. But that is AW Full Gear. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? Hey there, pal. It's me, Mickey Mouse. And you're listening to Brandon Shoutouts. On my flight going down to Florida, I got to watch Free Guy. And I thought it was really good. Did you, you ever hear about this movie? I have not. It what reminded it me. What? What is it about? So, it stars Ryan Reynolds, and without oh, spoiling wait, yes, it, yeah, he plays an NPC game. in a video game, and then he discovers that he's an NPC. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the the commercials. I remember it. Yeah, so it reminded me a lot of the Truman Show, and I really like that movie. So, I, I think it was a, a pretty good film. I wouldn't mind a sequel of this for sure. Uh, so check it out. I, it's not. I don't think it's free anywhere. JetBlue it was free, so that was pretty cool. 
Next up, though, I'm giving a shout-out to the major pod interview with the Kiss Demon. I thought it was, like, super enlightening about his character and his career and so many other aspects of it. It, like, he would say one thing after the other, and I would just keep getting blown away by what he was saying. So I thought that was pretty cool. Check that out on, on their YouTube channel. I'm sure it's it might be on their their other platforms as well. And then continuing with the 25th anniversary of The Rock, my last shout-out goes to The Rock versus Brock Lesnar from SummerSlam 2002. Both of us were there for it. I thought it was a fantastic match. And I think it really helped solidify Brock Lesnar as, like, main event WWE superstar. What do you it's think? It's always, always nice to relive those uh, early Brock Lesnar matches. Yeah, and we've seen uh, even earlier than that. We saw him face Crash Holly once, I believe. Yeah, in his debut. Not it wasn't his debut. I think it was his debut. Nah, I think he had a few matches before that. It, they were dark matches. They weren't like televised or anything. But I'm pretty sure he had a few before Crash Holly. Mm-hmm. But those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our. Ow. That is right, our mark out moment of the week. Do you have any mark out moments? Do I have any mark out moments? You know the answer, and that is definitely no. Well, I have three. Oh, take it. Bad Bunny was on The Tonight Show last week and spoke to Jimmy Fallon about WrestleMania. So I think it's always cool when, when somebody's on The Tonight Show talking about wrestling. And it's cool to see him that he still talks about it. And it, he, it's fun when Jimmy Fallon talks about wrestling because he gets so into it. So I thought that was cool. Something else that took place last week, Colby Covington. Walking out to Kurt Angle's theme song at UFC 268, which took place at Madison Square Garden, so instantly I think it's cool. But uh, the fans chanted, you suck, like they would to Kurt Angle, so I thought that was really funny. That's awesome. Yeah. And then this week, Corey Graves had Insane Clown Posse on After the Bell, which popped me. Like, not... Ever in 2021 did I expect to see the Insane Clown Posse on WWE.com at all. But there they were, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And I have no idea where you can watch full episodes, but I know you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. But uh, it's crazy to think. I think it's almost been eight years to the day that we met them. Wow. Yeah. The one thing I, I would say that I'm disappointed is that they didn't speak about that 70s bus incident with Mike Awesome mm-hmm. where one uh, Shaggy 2 Dope fell off the bus by mistake but uh, uh, yeah <laughs> but he, they ended up apologizing basically to Vince McMahon and everybody because they apparently they had walked out when they when they were supposed to do um, a show with WWE one time instead of going to the ring they literally I think they said they followed their manager out the door and left I feel like I've I've heard them in interviews before, and they, and they seem like really they regretted it. So, 
But it was it was a somewhat of a short interview, but I really enjoyed listening to it. I thought it was pretty cool. So check out After the Bell with Corey Graves. And that is the Markout Moment of the Week. Take us home. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all of your support. So make sure you go check out MarkingOut.com. Keep on listening, keep on subscribing, keep on downloading it, and make sure you leave a review. This is episode 562. We appreciate you. Now go get your dreams and keep on listening. We wish you the... Best, best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week. Oh.